0: Guy here with a quick message before we get on with the pod. As a thank you to our most dedicated and loyal viewers and listeners to Blood Red, we're inviting you to join our Blood Red Club. By joining, you'll get access to insider transfer content, as well as interviews with former favourites and those connected at Anfield. All you need to do is head to bloodredpodcast.co.uk, enter your email address, and our exclusive content will head to your inbox. That's bloodredpodcast.co.uk. Thanks. Now on with the show.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Liverpool.com podcast. My name is Mo Stewart, and I'm joined once again by Matt Addison and James Martin. And thankfully for everybody, international football is now back in mothballs for at least till the end of the year. But club football is back. There is no let-up. James, I'll start with you. How exciting is it to see the boys back in red, getting ready for the new season?
0: Oh, it's so exciting, especially especially Van Dijk and Matt and, and Gomez. Seeing them back uh, in the training pitches, yeah, really exciting. And yeah, it's just that instant switch, isn't it? Straight out of international mode, into club mode. Mm. Just want to see them back out there playing now.
1: Yeah, uh, luckily for us, uh, Jürgen Klopp did manage to get some kind of a break, Matt. And that was probably my favourite picture of the first few days, just seeing the joy on his face. He looks like he's ready to go again. And... Because I feared for him a little bit at times last season. He didn't have the best of times. He was fighting battles. He didn't really need to fight. But he looked clear-minded and ready to go.
2: Yeah, he did. I mean, as you say, it was a, a difficult season for him. It, it would have always been a difficult season. We know the, the personal things that, that went on for him and, and all of that sort of stuff. And I think we do forget that sometimes, don't we? We always we want to see football after football after football. But, you know, managers, players, everybody involved, they do need a, a little bit of a break and... I think yeah, it was it was noticeable that he'd had a good time over his holidays. He's come back, he's got a smile on his face. You know, he just looked refreshed and, and ready to go. And I think that we all kind of feel a bit like that. I mean, we've all enjoyed the Euros, but we've enjoyed the break from from Liverpool. But we're just raring to go. And. Yeah, it's it's great to see, isn't it? And I think we said this last week, but all of all of the pictures are brilliant when, you know, they're they're away in, in Austria, you've got the backdrop, you've got the mountains, it, it just looks it just looks brilliant, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, I mean as I'm sitting here in my dark cellar. Well it's not really a dark cellar, it's my record <laughs> bunker. But I do actually look at those pictures and think, yeah, that would be really nice right now. Not the running around mind just the scenery. But today, for the podcast today, we all get to put ourselves, well, mainly you two, get to put yourselves into Jurgen Klopp's shoes because as it stands today, as we record, it is exactly one month before the start of the Premier League season where Liverpool travel to Norwich City and we're going to pick a team or more importantly, we're going to predict a team. We are going to try to decide who will be the 11 to start that game. Now, Last week, when we were doing these kinds of thoughts, Matt, you would seem to have a very, very keen line inside James's head. Now, do you think, again, we're going to get some kind of easy consensus or do you predict some kind of battles going on today?
2: Well, having edited a piece from James yesterday on the centre-backs, I think we are going to be fairly similar. I think my thoughts on it are... Fairly clear. I mean, it, it's hard to kind of know exactly where players are in terms of fitness, but we can sort of gauge it a little bit on what Jurgen Klopp said so far. He's done, you know, a few bits over the first couple of days of, of pre season of, you know, where these players are at. You know, the, the club obviously putting out photographs and, and things like that in terms of of the injuries. It, it looks like Joel Matip is obviously furthest down the line in in his recovery, as you'd expect. He's not been out for for quite as long as as Van Dijk and Gomez. Obviously, Konate, we don't quite know. I think for me, I'm kind of expecting him to, to take a little bit more time to bed in than I think a few people seem to think. I think the idea of him coming in for £34 million is has kind of said to, to a few people that he will instantly just be in the team. And I'm not quite sure it, it's quite as simple as that. I think it will take a bit of time. Obviously, Leipzig have a, a similar style of play, but I think it, it will still take time to, to adapt to, to playing for a Liverpool team. So I think... Yeah, I've got two names at centre-back, certainly in my head, but I'm not necessarily sure they'd be the same as as what a lot of people might think.
1: Well, I think it's clear that centre-half is probably going to be the primary battleground, so to speak. But, James, there are other things we need to consider here. Obviously, a month is a long time in football. The transfer window is still open. We've had many pieces in Liverpool.com at the moment over the course of the last week or so talking about the absence of the three central midfielders who are going to still be away on holiday, returning very late. There's a chance Liverpool are looking at someone to bring in immediately. Do you think that's going to come into play when you've come to pick in the midfield in particular? Oh,
0: that would be quite the twist, wouldn't it? If I'm just running through my predicted team and I was like, Oh, Sal will be in there with Renato Sanchez, of course, revealing <laughs> it now on Liverpool.com podcast. Um, no, I don't I don't think so, even if Liverpool did get some business done before the opening game it's like Matt was saying with Canate it probably wouldn't be a case of them getting thrown straight in it's tricky with so many midfielders being absent so that there's more of a possibility that maybe they would be chucked in at the deep end but they they have so little pre-season depending on when we sign them but even if we sign them today you'd not be looking at a huge amount of time to bet them in so no much as I think there's a signing that's possible in central midfield i my my selection is going to be a bit more boring for the
1: Norwich game. Ah, boo. <laughs> well, maybe the excitement will come elsewhere. Something else that we floated as an idea in recent pieces is the idea of maybe this, this absence is going to precipitate a change in formation. Maybe this is something that's been long mooted for Jürgen Kopp and Pep. Then there's the idea that there needs to be an evolution within the team. And that's not necessarily just going to come from the transfer market, Matt. So with Norwich in mind as well we're going to be going away from home on um, this going to be the first day of the season they're probably going to be at their highest in terms of confidence in terms of a game plan they're going to have the crowd behind them are there those kind of considerations that you might have to bring in when it comes to picking the team for this game
2: yeah I mean I still expect next season primarily it'll be a 4-3-3 I think they will be you know maybe like a couple of seasons ago there'll be a bit more of a 4231 at times there might be different sort of tactical things again that will slightly depend on who is signed who's fit who's available and, and sort of the intangibles that we don't quite know at this moment in time but i think primarily it will still be that 433 and that's what i would imagine on the first day of the season Jurgen Klopp will go with i think as much as anything else, because obviously, you know they've they've obviously got Mane and, and Salah, but you've still got Jota and Firmino to come back. You, chances of, of seeing all four of them on the pitch at the same time for the first game of the season probably slim, I would say, just because of, of the way things will pan out with preseason. And obviously, Liverpool could go out and and sign another forward, but I think unless you've got those four on the pitch at this moment in time, I'd be surprised to to see that four two three one. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's something I will. I'd be surprised if we don't see that formation fairly frequently. But again, I'd be equally surprised if it was just from day one that they just go in and do that.
1: Well, I mean, I think there's a few clues the two of you have given to what you're about to pick now. But we will have to see. I'm sure there's still plenty of debate. This is still a very good Liverpool squad. So we don't necessarily all agree on who will be the best and who will be the best equipped to tackle Norwich on that day. But I'll tell you how we're going to do this format. I'll allow you to take it in turns to pick a player. We'll go through the team, starting with goalkeeper. You uh, take it in turns to pick a player. If the other person has someone else in mind, they will be able to do a rebuttal. And then the three of us can debate it and we'll come to some kind of a consensus and we'll work our way through the team. Once we've done this, we'll kind of remind everybody what the team is. And it allows all of you watching and listening to do your own version. And you can be more adventurous than these two sound like they're going to be, should you wish. And then in a month's time, we'll all be able to watch and everyone will get to see who was right. So it's not just about bragging rights. It's about I don't know, maybe being optimistic about what we think our chances are this season, because I'm going to ask you for a prediction for the game at the end of it as well. Okay, so with no further ado, let's get going. Now, James, you won the imaginary coin toss that I did without you knowing. So you get to start, and I feel like this one might be quite easy.
0: Yeah, Um the only question mark is Copper America, Allison will be back late, but it seems like it's less of a big deal for keepers. And particularly when there aren't glittering choices below it, I think Allison is is the obvious pick for Norwich.
1: I do too. And I think it's almost as if we're trying to find some way to disagree with this one, but allow me to try and find some way to disagree. I think, We have seen Alisson more susceptible to injury than most keepers. That has probably been the biggest knock on him over the last two seasons. And we have seen him get injured in the opening game of the season against Norwich, literally two years ago, at a time when Brazil had just got to the final of the Copa America. So there is precedent there. And we have seen Adrian almost surprisingly sign a new contract this summer rather than maybe allow him to leave somewhere else and use another that place in the squad for another player Matt so is it in Klopp's mind that he may have to use Adrian for this game
2: I think if it's not Alisson it would be Quivin Kelleher. I think he is Liverpool's number two now I think Adrian was signed because you need three goalkeepers essentially you can't just have two in case one of them or when one of them gets injured we assume uh, at some point in the season. So I think for me Kelleher is is the number two going into the season. Um, I think that's fairly concrete in, in Jurgen Klopp's head. Um but I I can't I can't see him starting the first game to be honest. I, I know I, I take the point, you know, obviously Allison has got injured before but I think if you've got him fit he'll want to play the back four will want him to play Van Dijk and whoever plays it at centre back will want him to play. Liverpool fans will want him to play. I think I think it will be Allison. Hmm.
1: Okay. I'm not gonna I mean there's plenty of juicy debate points. I'm not gonna hammer this one down. I think we can allow Alison Becker to come into our team and what a man he is. Hopefully he's still on the goal scoring trail. Okay, Matt. Uh so it's moved across to the left back now. Uh again, Andy Robertson is not currently involved in pre-season training. How much does that come into your decision?
2: Not at all, to be honest. Um, obviously, <laughs> Scotland didn't make the knockout stages. He isn't going to be missing from pre-season for as long as, say, Thiago or Henderson. I think those are more difficult decisions. And again, Andy Robertson will want to play. He played pretty much, well, he started every Premier League game, didn't he, last season. Played pretty much every minute. Um, yeah, I would strongly suspect it will be him. I do think we will see Kostas Sumikas a fair few times throughout the season. But I don't think it will be on the opening day, I think. Liverpool will want to get off to an absolute flyer. You put all of your best players on the pitch, if you possibly can, and, and Andy Robertson, certainly, as long as he's not got any sort of injury by this point, you know, in, in a month or so's time, yeah, it'll, it'll, it will almost certainly be him.
1: Matt makes a very strong case there, James, I've got to say. Now, I think we he's right in saying that we will probably see more Simicast this season, but... With the way that Roberts is, the nature of the man, and particularly the disappointment he felt after the way it ended with him for Scotland, he will be raring to go on day one, won't he?
0: Yeah, I, I would think so. Um, you're just now realising that you're doing this show with two relentless realists. And so all of our answers <laughs> yeah, are just like,
2: yeah.
0: boringly routine. But yeah, no, I have Robertson down as well for very similar reasons. Like you say, he'll be he'll be well up for it. Uh, he's had a little bit of a rest, certainly by last season standards. This amount of time without a game is, you know, very unknown territory for him. He racked up a huge amount of minutes. So, yeah, c- considering that, he's had a break by his standards. He'll be ready to go and, yeah, hopefully can, can play a big part against Norwich.
1: Me too. I think the managing Robertson's minutes is going to be as much trying to stop him from himself than anything else. But the opening day is definitely not the date for that. Andy Robbo is in. Right, now, obviously, we've already trailed the idea that centre-backs might be difficult. So I'm going to skip over them to the other side. James, the right-back position. Now, obviously, Trent is coming back from an injury. We don't know as yet how likely he is to start. Are you backing him to be fit or are you maybe looking at another
0: option? Well, the thing is with this, if Gomez was fully fit, then I'd say... He'd probably get the nod to be precautionary with Trent, but with Gomez coming back off a much more serious injury, that's out of the question. Miko Williams is possibly off. So mm. yeah, if, if there's any chance that Trent can play, I think he will. So yeah, the, the word coming out of out of the camp is that he should probably make it. There's lots of talk about sort of four weeks being that that kind of number for for most of those injured defenders. Um and Trent is further along than a lot of them as well. So, yeah, I I think he'll probably make it. Um, There's a case for being cautious with it, but then you look at who comes below him in the pecking order and you think if there's any chance he can play, he's going to have to.
1: That might be the issue, Matt. It might be one that's taken out of Jürgen's hands. Um, I'm not necessarily sure about the Nico Williams situation. There seems to be a lack of noise about it in general, aside from the fact that we know that he apparently wants to leave for more minutes. We've not heard any more in terms of a fee set by the club or even by any interested parties. So it could be that he ends up being in the squad, particularly another young homegrown lad. If we make a devil's advocate move here and say that Trent doesn't make it, are you looking at Nico or are you like James more hopeful that Gomez will be fit or are you throwing a wild card in there like an Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain?
2: No, it's a, it's a really tough one. I mean, first and foremost, I'd be surprised if Trent didn't make it. I think, you know, he's in Austria, he's doing individual sessions at the moment. I'd be surprised if in the next couple of weeks he doesn't get to a level where, you know, he can join in team training and, and be fit for the start of the season. But in terms of, of Nico, the, the fee on his head is is 10 million. If if somebody came with 10 million pounds, Liverpool would, would accept that and reluctantly let him go. But I think if they do that, despite what they're saying, I think they would have to go out and sign a replacement. So I think for me, the most likely scenario is if Trent, for whatever reason, isn't there on the opening day and Nico Williams has been sold, then it will be a a new player possibly who comes in and and plays in that role. I think for me, Connor Bradley is is one that's been talked up, but I think he only turned 18 a couple of days ago. He's just not ready. Um, I don't want to see Joe Gomez there, injury or not. I just don't think he's a right back doesn't suit the way that Liverpool play. Not good for, for him to, you know, long term he is Liverpool's centre back moving forward. After Van Dijk goes, he is the next one in, in line. Obviously Conate is there as well, but Gomez is is long term the centre back solution for Liverpool. So I don't want to see him there. So I'd be surprised if it if it wasn't Trent, I'd be surprised if Nico Williams was there still, yeah. um just because I think there's there's a few clubs interested. Uh, but if he is it will be it'll be Nico I think
1: well we'll watch the space on that one i think it's an interesting point you make about joe gomez being the next in line we forget that he's already been at the club 6 years <laughs> and he has played all across the defence in that time and he will look at himself as a stalwart in that in that squad and in that defensive line and i think we've seen at times when he's played as the senior man with the kids in there maybe a cup game he's taken that responsibility really well which leads me rather nicely Matt, into the first centre-back position now again i'm going to allow you to be as optimistic as you dare with these injury prognoses but we have heard from Jurgen Klopp and as you said earlier it didn't necessarily sound as positive with Van Dijk and Gomez as it was for Joel Matip so a month is a long time How, do you think that he can get back to where he needs to be in that time or either of them can
2: yeah a month a month is a long time isn't it i think the fact that van dijk and gomez are, are both there they look great they look you know happy and confident and seemingly are in team training i think there's a good chance that they are both kind of pretty much there for the start of the season I think with Gomez, you just want to be a little bit more careful. He takes a bit more time to get back into rhythm. He's had these injuries in the past and we've seen, you know, the evidence of him being slowly put back into the team. So for me, the two that that will start on the first day of the season, obviously speaking well in advance, but for me at this moment in time, I think it will be Van Dijk and Matip. Um, I Mm -hmm. think there's an argument that that those two, um, when you know Van Dyke, Matip, and Gomez were fit last season. There's an argument that those two were the first choice. The fact that Matip, assuming that he doesn't pick up another injury between now and then, is fit and ready. I think you kind of just have to take advantage of that. Obviously, a lot of people would would go with Conaté, but I just think it's it's one of those. I think you could throw him in and it could be beneficial. But in the past, we've seen the evidence. We know you know all of the names: Robertson, Fabinho, so on and so forth. Klopp does tend to take his time, and I'd be surprised if if that wasn't the case here. I think it would be strange to just throw him straight in.
1: Okay, so Van Dyke and Matip are Matt's choices. Now, James, you are allowed to agree. I would be sad, but you are allowed to agree. Um, there are other things to consider, though, and it's almost as if there may be a sliding scale here, as in there's a certain level of fitness that those two have to get to to get into the starting team. But if it becomes more of a risk, considering the fact that they've both come back from long-term injuries, we often see players get little niggles after that happens. And after last season in general, what becomes the bigger risk? Is it pushing them earlier than they should be or throwing in a Kanate who's not necessarily used to how we're playing?
0: Yeah, that's exactly how I'm thinking. And in fact, I don't agree with Matt for once. Um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I would be shocked to see Van Dijk play on the opening day Um, just from the word coming out from Klopp and the fact that he's been out for so long, everyone's going to want to be cautious with him. Uh, There's just, even if, even if it makes the first three or four games a lot harder to win, it makes the next 34 games a lot easier to win if he's fully ready and raring to go. So I think Klopp's not going to, Klopp's not going to want to rush him back in. Hopefully he is just fully ready and there's, there's no decision to be made, but I, I think it's probably unlikely. Of course, we're just going off here, saying word coming out of the club, so it, it could be the case. It could very easily be the case. And if Van Dyke and Matip are both fit, those would be my preferred preferred pairing. Um, but I'm dubious on the on the Van Dyke front. I have gone with Matip, uh, but I have I've done what Matt doesn't fancy, and I've thrown Conate straight in there. Um, yes. Because, I mean, you mentioned Robertson, you mentioned Fabinho, and they're all valid, but then I would mention Ozan Kabak. And the thing is, when there's something of an emergency at centre-back, or at least there's injuries there, we know that Klopp is prepared to do a sort of needs must. We'll chuck Mm -hmm. someone in. Um, And obviously, Canate is a great one to be able to just to chuck in. Uh, Matt's touched on the Leipzig connection, that they don't play exactly the same way as Liverpool, but there's similarities in terms of playing in a high line. He's He's adept at that. He'll have had the, the whole preseason to to have that kind of drilled into him. I don't think he'll be in and then just never out of the team. I think it'll be a case of he comes in and then maybe he has that kind of Fabinho-style apprenticeship once Van Dijk is fully back to fitness. But yeah, in terms of the opening day, uh, I think Matip and Canate is my pick.
1: I like it. I like the idea and I like the reasoning behind it. I think when it comes to Canate, he has an intelligence and a confidence that I think will allow him to put aside any nerves. And to a certain extent, it may well depend upon the strength of the midfield in front of him as to whether or not that becomes a viable decision. But I did say that I would have a deciding vote. Thankfully, it seems you both agreed on Joel Matip, so we can slot him in there. Then it's just a case of do I go with the the uh, sensible, pragmatic. Virgil Van Dijk, or the exciting, fanciful uh, Ibrahim Konate. Uh, I think you guys know who I'm going to pick. Konate's in, <laughs> and the reason I say that is because I think we'll still have at least one of the other two on the bench should any kind of disastrous start happen. I don't think it'll be uh, we'll be in a situation where it's him or nobody. So we're going with Konate. And we're going to roll those dice. Okay, we've got our defence. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Now, we're moving our way into midfield. Now, James, I'll allow you first choice on this one. We don't necessarily have to start in the defensive point, but we've said that it's going to be three of the midfielders. So I'll allow you to pick whichever of the three you feel is the most likely to get in there first.
0: OK, um, my midfield, is, I'm looking at it and I don't really fancy it, but is, <laughs> there's, not, <laughs> there's not too many options. Um, I think probably the most nailed on is quite possibly Curtis Jones, um, which might seem like an odd shout, but so many of the of the established first choices won't be ready. Um, we had Thiago go deep in the Euros. We had Henderson go even deeper. We had Fabinho in the Copa America. And, you know, that is arguably the first choice midfield. Um and they could be back, but I don't think I don't think they will. Klopp has said he wants to give them the proper break, which would push us right to the start of the season. They're not going to get chucked in with no training at all. So yeah, Curtis Jones out of the remaining options got the most minutes in the midfield last season. Klopp definitely trusts him. Um so yeah, I think I think he's the most nailed on for the first game.
1: I think that's a fair shout, actually. I think He'll be coming into this next month of preseason knowing that he has this massive opportunity to stake his claim for that place in midfield, Matt. Uh, James was right. Klopp has trusted him a lot of times to a surprising amount for some people. And I think the first game of the season where you want to set the tone, particularly after the way last season ended, I think he is the kind of person who can go out there and really express himself.
2: Yeah, I think he's brilliant and I think he, he kicked on so much. I watched him a lot when he was a youth player coming through with the eighteens and, and the twenty threes. And he's a very different player now. But I think it's just that sort of maturity that we saw last season. We weren't really too sure, you know, how much would he play? Would he take on Adam Lalana's minutes? And I think he surpassed the, the previous season's minutes for, for Lalana by Christmas time last season. Didn't play quite so much in the next sort of two or three months. But again, it's it's just that young player betting him in. I think he, he massively surpassed a lot of people's expectations last season and I'd expect him to, to kick on again maybe not quite so much of a, a jump this season but I think he'll certainly establish himself he was in my midfield as well I think it's interesting with the the fir- if we say the first choice are Henderson, Fabinho and, and Thiago I think that's pretty much you know nailed on I think you know Curtis Jones would be would be my fourth option at the moment um, I think it's interesting in terms of the minutes that Henderson and Tiago and Fabinho actually for for Brazil, they they went deep into those competitions, but they didn't necessarily play a huge amount of, of minutes in that sort of tournament. So it'd be interesting to see sort of how they come back. I think for someone like Tiago, you'd imagine he'd be absolutely ready to come back mm-hmm. straight away. I think you'll you'll have to sort of force him to have a holiday almost. I think he'll be back in a couple of weeks' time because I think he'll just want it to be there. So Yeah, Henderson is interesting. Again, obviously spent uh, a good sort of portion of of last season towards the back end injured, comes back, played a few minutes. Again, he'll have to have that period of getting back Mm -hmm. up to speed. But it wouldn't massively shock me if if two out of of the first choice three are are there just because of of the minutes that they have or haven't played uh, for Mm -hmm. their international teams. But yeah, I think Curtis Jones, the same as James, I think he's as close to being nailed on for that first game as you can be.
1: OK, so if you're saying that, are you going with two of the three? And if so, who is the man to miss out?
2: It's a tough one. I think Fabinho will be there. Um, didn't play a great amount um, for Brazil. Don't know if he played at all, to be honest with you, during that tournament. But um, he, he didn't
1: start a game, I don't think. He was being no. um, replaced by Fred.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I've seen I've seen a few of, of Brazil's lineups and I think that's slightly questionable. But uh yeah, works works for Liverpool anyway. Um so I think Fabinho will be there. Again, he'll he'll be absolutely ready to do it. He spent a huge amount of last season playing at centre back, he'll just want to be back into the team straight away. I think he'll probably be there. Um again, Curtis Jones will be to the left of him, and then it's it's one of of Thiago or Henderson. Um I'd probably edge just to Tiago, just because, you know, of, of Henderson coming back from an injury similar yeah. to the centre-backs. You don't want to rush him. We know he's not got the best injury record. Um, and Tiago is, is one that you're looking at as being a real stalwart, I think, next season. I think he's going to be a lot, lot better, a lot more comfortable um, than what we saw last season. So you probably want to stick him in as, as soon as possible. So, yeah, I quite like the sound of a, a Tiago, Fabinho and Curtis Jones midfield.
1: Yeah. I can see that working quite well, actually, in terms of the way we want to play. And I agree with you about Thiago. I do feel like he feels like he's ready to attack next season and really show what he can do in a way that maybe he wasn't always able to last year. The question I have about that and picking him over Henderson, though, James, is we saw a lot of times last season when Henderson wasn't on the pitch, there wasn't a lot of talking going on. There wasn't a lot of communication. And we've lost... The leadership of genie wijnaldum and i mean according to us as it stands we're not going to have virgil either so is this a, a consideration for club maybe looking to maybe even bring uh old man milner in off the bench i call him old man milner as a joke he is still the fittest man i've ever heard of but does he come into contention
0: yeah i mean he's in my team so um yeah, I think so. There is that aspect to it—the that kind of vocal presence on the pitch. They experienced head, especially when you do have someone like Curtis in there. It's good to have that balance in the sense of the youth and the experience. Um, but for me, it does just come back down to this this international tournament dilemma. Um, I get maybe I just need a holiday, but I'm giving these guys a proper <laughs> break. I feel like they deserve it, so I'm not I'm not chucking any of them back in. Um, so I've got so, like I said, I had I had Jones. I put Milner with him, and the third slot I've, I'm I'm going with Naby Keita. I'm going with him. Um, this is the season, <laughs> the renaissance. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to put any kind of faith in him for the for the whole season, just because of the the horrible luck he's had with injuries, basically since the moment he came through the door. Mm. Um, there was that potentially watershed moment where where Klopp hooked him against Real Madrid before half time that feels like it might be hard to come back from. But if anyone can manage that sort of situation, it's Klopp. I'm sure he'll have explained it to him and said, look, you know, there were reasons for it. It wasn't just that you were having an absolute stinker. It's, you know, it was just the game required it. I still have faith in you. And with so many midfielders coming back late from these tournaments, I think he falls firmly into that category of impressing pre-season and then you'll get a start in the first game. Um, And I'm holding out hope that he can do that.
1: It's an interesting point, actually, because I do remember when he arrived, he did make quite the impression in pre-season. I remember it was at the game of Blackburn, and his link up with Sturridge that day was the talk of the whole game. And maybe it's something about those kind of early games that allows him to feel a little bit more comfortable in himself to really show what he can do. But unfortunately, Matt, the thing with Cater, we have heard from Klopp many times where he's looked fantastic in training, and then it's come to the game. So... I'm not going to just single out Cato. He put Milner as well there. I'm going to give you the chance. Has either of those arguments swayed you towards either of those players? We're going to try to get some kind of consensus going here.
2: I'd be tempted by Cato. I really would. I think you've got to put Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain in the mix as well. If he's back and he's fit, I think he comes into that same sort of category of basically impress in pre-season and you're effectively playing for, for your Liverpool future, certainly playing for a part in the squad and, and a regular sort of at least a regular role off the bench, if not in the starting eleven next season. So I think it's it's a huge, huge preseason for, for both of those two. I am tempted by Cater. I think I suppose when when I'm looking at it, I think Fabinho has to be in the team because I don't really see anybody else playing that number six role. Obviously when Aldom is not there anymore, you can't put him in there. I wouldn't really fancy Cater to play in that role. Milner can do it, but again it's not perfect. And and Curtis Jones certainly can't do it. So I think you're probably looking at at Fabinho as being almost a definite, I think, unless obviously somebody else was, was bought between now and then, obviously then that could change things. Um, I'd be tempted by Cater possibly over, over Tiago. But again, it's, it's one of those, I think there's a, there's a brilliant player in there, but he just frustrates me in that you can't get him on the pitch. We've only ever seen him put together three Premier League games in a row for Liverpool and yeah. he's been here long enough now that it's kind of a it's a big enough sample size to know pretty much what you're getting.
1: I mean, we might actually be cursing him by saying that he's gonna play a month out from the game, but <laughs> yeah. I mean there, there does appear to be some consensus. So Naby's in James on the other side, Matt is keen to put Fabinho in there. I can see his reasoning. Are you are you persuaded by him that maybe keep Milner on the bench?
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, the thing is, it, it just came down to fitness for my argument. But yeah, if Fabinho's back then 100%, because the reason why I said at the start when I was looking at my midfield and didn't hugely fancy it is because there's no holding player in there, no natural mm. holding player anyway. So yeah, if there's any chance Fabinho can be back to play in that number six, then yeah, I'm I'm happy to make that compromise.
1: Okay, there we go. There's our midfield, Fabinho, Curtis Jones and Naby Keita. And we'll be hoping that both fullbacks will be doing all the shouting. Now, we're getting to the forward line. And again, I feel like two of these will probably be quite easy. The third, we may see some debate. So, Matt, I'll start with you. I'll allow you first hit. Who is going to be one of your front three?
2: Uh, well I, I can give you two. I think we can agree on two, can't we? Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane are gonna be either side. Um I think that's pretty much nailed on. I think it's brilliant that they've got, you know, a full preseason. They both look rested, they both look ready. I think that's particularly important for for Mane, getting back to the levels that, that he has been at. I think if he can start the season, you know, with a couple of goals, playing well, looking, you know, back to, to full peak fitness, I think that's gonna be huge because he does kind of strike me as a player who needs that confidence needs that rhythm i think if you get you know three goals from him in the first five games you're setting yourself up then for a sadio Mane season of of 20 goals again i think that's that's massive and i think it takes the pressure off off Mohammed salah as well if you know he knows that Mane on the opposite side is is capable of, of doing a similar thing i think that's you know a, a double boost if you if you want to call it that it's not just Mane; it's the impact that he has on on the other players as well but uh Yeah. The, the third spot is, is a real, real tough one. I think obviously, you know, Firmino, Jota, it would ordinarily just be a battle between those two, but we don't quite know when they're going to come back. If I had to pick now, I'd probably go for Jota just because Portugal were knocked out slightly before Brazil, but it's, it's a bit of a coin toss I think for me at the moment.
1: I think we can safely assume the flanks are going to be filled by Sadio and Salah, and I am bang up for a season of Super Sadio, 25-30 goals, and he has good memories of Carrow Road having scored the winner there last time he was
2: there. He so didn't, didn't play particularly well, though, on that day, did he? No, Liverpool,
1: and i but... will take that, either. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well. yeah. Let's, you, let's do take that. A the <laughs> exactly. Okay, so Those two are locked in. James, Matt is sneaking towards Jota over Firmino. Firmino, Again, the rest argument. Firmino probably played the most minutes of the Brazilians in the Copa America. He did indeed come on. I thought he made a difference in the final, even if he didn't necessarily help them to the win. Jota didn't have as great a tournament. There was a lot of noise around the fact that he apparently should have pass to Cristiano Ronaldo more which apparently is the greatest sin you can have in football and managed to get him into one of the worst teams of the tournament despite the fact that he actually scored a goal I I, I don't know anyway he wants to put all of that noise behind him and he wants to prove that the last season for Liverpool wasn't a flash in the pan is he someone else who you maybe expect to see offering to come back before he's due
0: yeah, potentially. Um, it's a personal thing, isn't it? I don't think we could hold it against any player who doesn't offer to do that because, you know, they've had a very, very long season, well, two seasons, really, with all of the effects of COVID. And to be honest, even if people were offering that, I think Klopp might be one of those managers who says, you know what, no, just take your break and come back refreshed because that is important. Um, but yeah, he's, you're right about his mentality, his mindset. I'm sure he will be raring to go. He impressed a lot in limited minutes last season and we'll hope that he can string together some more games and keep up that kind of form. Because it was in that run-in where he played a lot more. He was still very good, but it wasn't quite the same Hmm. massive impact of of earlier in the season. So he'll definitely want to prove that as a regular starter, he can offer that same impact. He doesn't want to be pigeonholed as a bench player. Impact sub. Um, So, yeah, I think he'll be eager to get going. I would lean towards him as well. I, I don't think Firmino will play, like you say. He had the most minutes out of the Brazil lads in the in the Copa America, and with other options there, if there's a chance to give him slightly longer break, then I'm sure that will be taken. I mm-hmm. could go really rogue. I I nearly went Minamino, um, just because he'll be the freshest of the three. Uh, it all comes down to preseason. If he has a very mm-hmm. big preseason and looks good and hasn't been sold anywhere wow. by this point, um, then then yeah, because. If the decision be made that they want to stick with him and keep him around because he can make a difference, then this is exactly the kind of scenario where you chuck him in. Um, So I wouldn't be that surprised to see it, but it's very dependent on pre-season. And while we don't know how that will go, I will probably lean towards Chelsea. I can see the idea behind
1: Minamino coming in there. I can... I'm a little bit disappointed that no one else mentioned the other guy who scored against Norwich on the opening day two years ago, a certain Mr. Divo Garrigi. But I feel like in reality, most of us are expecting him to be on the bench for maybe someone else, if not for <laughs> Liverpool. So this looks like we've got our team. Let's do a quick run back through so everyone will know. Obviously, we have Alison Becker in goal, we've got a defence of Andy Robertson, Ibrahim Konate. Joel Matip, and Trent Alexander-Arnold. On midfield three is Fabinho, uh, Naby Keita, and Curtis Jones. And up top, we've got Salah, Diogo Jota, and Sadio Mane. Now, I would be excited to see that team start the season. Um, The next question, and the final question of this week's show, is what do we think the score will be? Uh, We have to take into account, obviously, Norwich have lost one of their more potent attackers in Emi Buendia. But they do have the confidence of coming up, as I mentioned earlier, they will be at home. They can be tricky. They do like to play good football, Matt. What do we expect Liverpool to be able to do at Carrow Road?
2: On the basis that that team that we have picked between us, their plays, I think Liverpool Liverpool win. I think it'll be a huge scoreline, maybe a 2-0 or, or something like that. I can see that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's very early to be making these predictions, isn't it? It's very, very hard to tell.
1: That's the but, point, though, listen mean,
2: yeah.
1: Like, the whole point of this is that we, we're allowing ourselves to dream. We don't, we don't want to be kind of bunched into the reality of what actually probably will happen, because by the time it gets to the day before, it'll probably be really obvious who's in the team. This is us having a bit more—I don't know—imagination, um, allowing the possibilities to flow, and that's what I want from everybody else who puts their show in the comments later on. Allow your imagination to run free, and if you want to, I—I I, I would suggest showing your work in as well. James, what's your score prediction?
0: Well, I mean, I'm not the most imaginative either, but my imagination can stretch beyond the 2-0. Um, I think <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm I'm going big. Um, Liverpool opening days have kind of been divided in my head into two eras as I've grown up. There was one where we would just always seem to be on the end of an inexplicable drubbing. Like, I mm. think we lost 3-0 to West Brom twice. That could be wrong, but it definitely happened once. Um, there's There were some rough results in there, but certainly in the sort of, Klopp era, particularly after the first year or so, there's been some really big wins. West Ham springs to mind. I'm sure there have been others as well. So yeah, I think particularly as it's a newly promoted team, Liverpool have had some joy there before as well. Um, Yeah, I think I'm going to go big. I'm going to say 4-0 Liverpool.
1: Well, just to allow some facts to come in and back up your statement, under Klopp, Liverpool have scored on the opening day four against Arsenal, three against Watford, four against West Ham, Four against Norwich and four against Leeds. So I think saying that they're going to go big is not necessarily uh, likely to blow up in your face. I think it's a fair shout. I'm going to join you. I think I'm going to say the exact same score as the last time we faced Norwich uh, on the opening day, which is 4-1 to Liverpool. And I'm going to put a little cheeky caveat in there that we're going to see a goal from Curtis Jones. There we go. Now, as I say, you're allowed to disagree with us. In fact, I'm pretty sure you're going to somewhere. So please let us know what you think of our team. And we will all meet back here on August 14th, have a little party, and watch the Reds win, hopefully, and see who was right. Matt, James, I've really enjoyed this show. I hope you have too.
2: Yeah, absolutely, mate. Great stuff. Cheers, mate. Good stuff.
1: We'll see you all again soon.